You witness this whole thing where people are being served food and alcohol and drinks while, yeah. while they watch the movie and being interrupted by these people doing this. Yep, and, and they walk and in the, front of the screen. The, yeah, and the smell of the No, I'm going to go see a movie. I want to go. I, wanna, I can concur. I want the whole thing to be. I want to be engulfed, engulfed by the screen and see a movie. I'm Michael Kutza. I'm this guy who loves movies. And I'm Gino Suarez, a writer and a performer. Here we've got a podcast to tell you all about movies and... Anything else that the world yeah. is throwing at us. So because of my love of movies, I started something called the Chicago International Film Festival a long time ago, like 50 plus years ago, and realized there's a whole world of stuff out there, and new directors and films, and I thought, okay, I'm bringing it to Chicago. That's history, that's something else, that's another story. What I want to talk about is what's going on today in the movies, and I just saw a film yesterday that's uh, not great, but it has taken taken me a bit. It's by an old friend of mine named Richard Linkletter. But do you know who Richard Linkletter is? No, you briefly talked about him in the last few days, but I don't know who but, he but is. But I bet you've seen his films, and he's a he's a young director who's who's great at casting. So in his early films, he'll cast a guy that you from nowhere named Jack Black. Okay. Another guy he'll come up with from nowhere named uh, Matthew McConaughey. Did he do the Nacho Libre movie? He did. Uh, he did stuff like um, Dazed and Crazed. Dazed, Dazed and Confused. And Confused, exactly. Okay. And Boyhood and uh, the Dallas Dallas Buyers, Buyers Club. Club. So Matthew McConaughey. Then he he also invented um, Ben Affleck. Ooh, Ben Affleck. And Renee Zellweger, the lady from Chicago, the film Chicago. I love Ben Affleck. Besides his. Batman movie attempt. Sorry, Ben I think Affleck. I, I prefer his brother. I think Casey's Cassie less. Affleck? Yeah, a lot more talented. Well, Sorry. I think Ben Affleck is... But Ben's full of himself now. Well, but Ben is a great writer and a great... I think a director. He's a better correct? director to me. Well, have you seen his... Better director <laughs> to Have me. you seen his uh, video or his movie, The Town? No, I have not. That's a great no. movie. It's uh, him and a four guys that are in Boston and they rob banks. And then essentially, I have seen. Yes, I have seen yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And they rob banks in the nun masks. Got it. Yeah, got it. That's the movie. So Linkletter tries a lot of different things, and uh, he did School of Rock with Jack Black also. But years ago, he did something up for an Oscar called Boyhood, and this is a re- if you've never seen this, this is a remarkable piece of filmmaking and an idea. So for 13 years, he photographed this family year after year, the same setup. He'd go visit the husband, the wife, and the boy, the son. And you watch them for 13 years grow up before your eyes. It is a magical moment to see. So boyhood starts, I think the boy is probably about six or seven years old. Now, it's a setup. It complete, You assume it's real. But every single year, this actor, uh, Patricia Arquette, she's the mother, uh, Ethan Hawke, You've seen Ethan yeah, yeah. Hawke as the father. The young boy, I don't really know who he is. And so every day they will go shoot again a setup of how life is going. And you, you watch this boy become a man. You actually physically see him grow. And you watch, you watch the mother and the father grow and have their problems, eventually get divorced, and have a nervous breakdown the mother because you realize the boy is leaving and growing up. And it's magic. It's, and it's real, except it isn't real. But it's, it's something to see. Do you know anything about how they filmed it? Do they film it every year at a certain time? Every single year at a certain time. They agreed to do it. 13 years. Yeah, because that's a lengthy project. But luckily, 
uh, Linkletter Link knows these actors, and they're his team. Was, so, was it independently done, or was it through a studio? Everything's independent. Eventually, you sell it to a distributor or something. Okay. Yeah. But now the new film, this uh, Borgigo Bernadette thing. Yeah, the one I couldn't go to because I was shackled by the nine-to-five man. <laughs> well, I, have, I have problems with it, but the, it's haunting me because I, I do like the actress so much. I, Kate Blanchett is a spectacular woman, and I like everything she does. It's a bit tough to get this film rolling, but once you're into it, she is amazing as the, the husband. That, once again, he's so good with this mother-father-kid relationship thing. Uh, Would you say that the reason you couldn't start getting into the film was because you previously had mentioned how you had seen her play a different role and that kind of exactly. affected it? She plays the same role before. In a, in a, she got an Oscar for it in a brilliant uh, film that Woody Allen did called uh, Blue Jasmine, I think it was called, which I will search out anytime on an airplane because I love it in her performance having a nervous breakdown as the wife of a Ponzi, Ponzi king, Alec Baldwin in this case. Okay. Uh, she's, she's, he's playing Madoff, the Ponzi guy who went to jail. Anyway, so she's having the same nervous breakdown, so it's difficult to watch suddenly, okay, there she is, oh, God, she's doing that role again. But then once you're over that, you see how it's developing into this role and this film and this husband and this child and this this life. And then I, then I got into it. What is the... I don't know anything about the story. I watched the trailer and still didn't completely understand what The about. trailer is not very good. It doesn't make any it, sense. What is the story about? Basically about a woman who is a successful architect in L.A. And her husband becomes more successful with Microsoft, moves to Seattle. So she must give up her life, her job, and become a housewife in Seattle, which is quite difficult for a star. She's a star architect. So basically, she is, she is a woman who is just sitting there angry and destructive to anything around her. She becomes isolated, and she hates her neighbors and hates everything. And you watch her destroy her neighborhood and her people. <laughs> it becomes sort of funny. It's tragic. It's funny, but it has a happy, happy ending, shall we say? It's, I feel good about it. It's interesting, at least from my perspective, how you know before movies, at least, I, at least I don't think they were like this, where you were put into a place where, for example, this movie is based off the fact that her husband got a better job at Microsoft which is kind of like a corporate, like, you know, like a nine to five thing. So it's very interesting how this movie plays out and how they use, like, it's okay to use Microsoft's name and this idea that well, this is moving a, it's to a, work. It's very today, but it's, it's also very funny because Seattle, if you've ever been, is a rather boring place. It rains a lot. Yeah, I like and, it. Hmm? It's hilly. It smells well. I've only been there twice. It was always raining. Yeah, that is that is. So you take you take this lady who is a superstar, and you take her into this this rainy, boring uh, neighborhood with all the downers, neighbors, and children, and schools, and things that she's not used to because she's a star. And then you watch what happens, you know. But besides, you know, okay, okay, I saw that. So then, then I went the next day. I thought, okay, there's there's a foreign film playing, which is so rare because I'm just used to seeing films with subtitles. I'm used to seeing foreign films in my life, so I thought I'd search one out in Chicago playing commercially, which I thought, well, that's pretty brave. How come the AMC and all these places are showing a, a, a Chinese film with subtitles called The Farewell, which I do not recommend you wasting. Is that the your... one with Aquafina? It's the one with the, the basically the staff, the staff, the staff, <laughs> the cast from uh, Crazy Rich Asians. And I, I guess the studio, whoever bought this film, the distributors, a24 probably figured, okay, we made a lot of money with one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do this one. That's with Aquafina. 
Well, I'm so happy. She's great. Who else is in this? It it it's it's just it's a one joke. Is it in English? It's a one. It's in English and Chinese. Probably Mandarin. Okay, so like when they're the grandparents scenes, you're assuming. They're, yeah, they're all speaking okay. Mandarin. Does, but it's a one line, one joke. It, it could be a short subject. This thing goes on for almost two hours, of of this one subject of a family getting together. To go say goodbye to their grandmother who's dying of cancer in China. Blah, blah, blah. Does grandma know she's dying of cancer? Of course not. So the whole line is, let's not tell her. Should we tell her? Let's tell her. Let's not tell she her. She already knew. She doesn't know anything. Does she not, does no, she not know no, already? No. She just knows she's sick. But this is fine, but not for two hours. It, it went nowhere. And I actually, I watched, I've watched people actually walking out of the theater. I, she, I've not seen that. Did she die? I gotta tell you that you you go spend your thirteen bucks, <laughs> and you and you heard it here, people. Go watch the damn movie. I think I got it for ten. Actually, I think I went to an early early screen, early screening of it. How do you feel about ticket prices? Do you think that they're well, it depends what, after matinee? Do you think they're a little ridiculous? Well, what about all these deals you got today? You know, isn't someone offering a deal right now for eighteen dollars a month? You can see all the movies you want. Wasn't Movie Pass? But now it's Regal has one too. Yeah, that's, Movie Pass didn't work over at AMC. Not Regal's starting this. Eight, that's the eight, price of one bucks. ticket. A ticket today is probably what between thirteen and fourteen dollars. So what? What value are they gaining from this? So I'm I'm going to give you eighteen bucks, and I can see everything there is for one month. Not a bad deal. If you're really a a film, a crazy film person like I am, you know, will I, will I, they're counting that you're not going to use it. The whole idea is let's get as many $18 as we can. You're not going to really use it. Because recurring income, $18 a month, but most people won't go. Yeah, it's hard to get people into the back to the theater today unless it's a super, you know, Marvel I can concur thing. with that. I don't, yeah. well, not even for me. I won't go to Marvel movies because I can't stand them. Sorry, Marvel Universe. Sorry, Sony. Sorry, whoever made the damn movies. <laughs> I just can't sit around and watch people run around in their underwear for an hour and a half, but it's, for me, to go to the movies, I really have to be intrigued by that movie, and the last movies that I went to the theaters were for, was for Rocket Man. I enjoyed that. The singing was a little out of hand, but I'm just not that big of a fan of musicals, but was a well-done movie. I also went for the Jordan Peele movie. Mm -hmm. I think I went for both of them, Us and Get Out, because probably one of the, I was just kind of excited that, uh, African-American black filmmaker is making a, a horror film that's kind of out of the ordinary. It's not like... There's so many horror films that they have nowadays that are all the same mold in there. It's always some kid who's fucking possessed and you're going to kill some kid. You're going to kill the parents. Someone always dies. But, and this one is less... It's more cerebral. You have to think so about I, it. I, all right. It's interesting. Now, why would you go see that on a big screen? Because that's that's a streaming film why would you which one any of those are going to be in in a second yeah i just didn't want to wait because the way that the streaming goes nowadays you don't really even know what movies are going to end up on netflix or hulu it's kind of just a crapshoot and i've got to see stuff on the big screen but i'm not going to waste it on horror i was raised on horror films i love horror films but they're all the same today so yeah they're not i'm not finding anything unique they're not cerebral they're kind of just nothing unique they're using loud music and quick cut scenes to get you scared which is sad because a well done horror film is really more psychological than it mm-hmm. is anything else because the last one that I can think of that was really done well was I didn't necessarily like the film that much but it did different, definitely messes with your head is was it The Departed? 
No, Shutter Island by Martin Scorsese. Oh, that's, that's a horrific film. Yeah, yes. that's, a, yes. and, but that's a horror film. In, in yeah, and in it's, in it's yeah. yeah. I mean, horror film. Rosemary's Baby, which I know you've never seen, is something I can't even go back to see because it's it so scares me so much. That's one of the few films I will not go back and see. It's called again. Rosemary. Rosemary's Baby. What years? Roman Polanski did it. Oh God, I don't know. Maybe the eighties. Never even heard of it. What did, what is it about? It's about a a simple. A simple young lady in New York married to a director husband, and she moves into a famous old apartment building, and she has neighbors that are her friends, she thinks, and without giving too much away about Rosemary's Baby, they aren't really her friends. They really are using her for a demonic, a d- d- demonic cult experiments because they want to have a baby, the baby, the, the devil. Baby. Oh, we're talking some Jeffrey Epstein type shit, and huh? Rosemary's Baby. But the the the, the real pro- the problem with the film is these are all your friends, and these friends you're so close to, and you get to love them in the way he's orchestrated, but they're really not. And watching that slowly turn and having to realize, oh my God, they are all part of this cult. They are the devil, and I'm about to give birth to the devil. It's quite a story. It's it's horrific. I can't see it again. It's too, it scares me. It's a very. It's I would equate that to the scary version of the Truman Show. Jim Carrey. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant movie. movie. He loses his damn mind. Yeah, and can you blame him? (laughs) Yeah, no, Jim Carrey's a great actor. Whatever happened to him? The the one thing you should see right now, if you haven't, on the big screen, is something I'm really in love with called uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. It's a new Tarantino film. Uh, You may need some background on it, because I'm sure you're you're not really familiar with the Sharon Tate, speaking of Roman Polanski, the Sharon Tate murder. Very briefly. yeah. I wonder if audiences, without knowing that story, would enjoy the film as much as I did. It's a large uh, pop culture thing. I think the the fact that it's connected to Manson and how he's still technically alive, right? He's not. Yes, he's, he's, he's not he's, dead he's yet. He's alive. He's so in these, prison. I, it's kind of. Uh, I feel like the next generation of people, like when he dies, won't really know. But I feel like my generation still kind of like I don't know as much, hmm. but I still feel like my generation is still kind of in touch with. That we know that he's a crazy cult leader, but we don't know the nitty-gritty details of, like, he killed Sharon Tate and all these things. That you would know only if you actually spent time enjoying... Mm-hmm. He orchestrated what, it yeah. all, because yeah, he had a cult. Uh, but the film, Tarantino, it's just... Because he's a great filmmaker, and he, he's, his love for Hollywood is this movie. His love of 1960s, that's his 1969. It's, it's all there on the screen. They rebuilt it, rebuilt Hollywood, rebuilt the stories, and you've got these these incredible three actors: Brad Pitt, uh, Leonardo, Leonardo, and, and, and Mar- Rob- Margot, Margot Robbie. Yeah, remarkable. Full rounded figures, actors, and you get to know them, you get to love them, and you believe in them. So whatever happens to them, you're right there with them, no matter how violent or how how loving it is. Leonardo and Mario have a good repertoire from doing the Scorsese movie, The Little Wall Street. That was a great movie. Yeah. Brad Pitt does come out to be the star of this film. So what what role do they each respectively play? Because I don't really know. So you probably, I guess you probably have to give me some background so I know what the hell's going on. Okay. Hollywood, 1969, you got a washed up actor uh, from Westerns. DiCaprio is trying to make a comeback. What was and his, his stunt, name his, in real life? Or like, the, who was he portraying? Oh, yeah, it's in the film. I didn't pay attention. Okay, regardless, next. You know, they make it up. Um, 
and he was a hero, I and mean, he's having a comeback. So his stunt, his stunt double is Brad Pitt, who just basically his servant, his gopher. Okay, it's their life in Hollywood, about right. trying to make the comeback, and um, his agent, or an agent that wants to handle them, uh, Al Pacino, is um, Al Pacino in the movie. Everybody's in the movie. Oh, nice. Okay. Little cameos here, there. They're slow, they're all, but they didn't advertise them. They're slight. In the poster, you'll see these people. You know. You'll see. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that's not important. It it works. Everything works, and and you 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 go back to that era. Quite successfully, uh, to me, it's the most ex- accessible Tarantino film. Because I'm not a great fan of all his. The Nazi thing, I, I get bored with it. Yeah, do you remember? Not, nothing can be Pulp Fiction, but this this is a happy, friendly. Do you remember American culture at the time? What it was like when this was going on? What Pulp Fiction or the no the Manson murders? Of course, it's my life. It's... What uh, like what was, like how did it start? Like what? How did America feel about it? Like were they losing their minds? Like what was the deal? Too many things were happening at that particular time. To that was just part of the horror of. You know, you have flower children and drugs and... and yeah, yeah, that's 60s culture, that, right? All of that, 60s, yeah. And here he was Manson with his, his groupies and his his lovable, culty, fuckable, excuse me, Did you, the girls. It's all. so crazy to me how... <laughs> because the cults still exist nowadays, and it's, uh, it's interesting thinking about these people that have so much power over other human beings and how easy it is for them to make people do these horrific well, especially, acts. Especially in Hollywood. I mean, Hollywood magic, Hollywood, my God. Everyone wants to worship somebody, I yeah, guess, right? Yeah. Let's talk about a little bit about what we're both working on and what we're doing now. Because we talked a little bit about you and the film festival and what you used to do, but you're having a second resurgence. You're, as we speak... You've got four or five days before you fly back off to Venice and go to the Venice Film Festival, which I'm excited to hear about when you come back. And then you leave again and go to Morelia to go to another festival, right? Right, right, right. Look at you, busy man. So let's let's talk about... And I'm writing a book. Oh, yeah, you are writing a book. I did forget about this. That's right, about the whole history of the film festival and all these people and these directors. and Which over time we both exploring different podcasts with different guests right. that we shall have. And, and you've heard of none of them. That's the best part. That's what makes it exciting. And that's that's exciting yeah. for me because I really do enjoy learning this so stuff. The, one of the publishers that I'm working with on the book, they said, yeah, this is all great stuff, but don't you know anybody younger? And I said, no, those those are the people in my life. That's my history. Those those directors and those stars, thank God they're dead. Uh, oh, you know, publishers are shameless. Damn it. <laughs> I said, I can't give you any new scoop on what's going on with blah, blah, blah. Sorry. <laughs> no, but there, there is an audience for this type of story. We, we, we're going to explore. A lot, of pictures, a lot of photos, a lot of pictures. Of, hey, we, of we, fame, like a, we like a good stuff. photo picture. Gotta, gotta, gotta have photos and video. I was thinking of putting a DVD in the book, but I don't know. If people Do you want have it. video rolls? Of course, but I just don't know if people want that anymore. I fuck what people want. I want to see them. Let's bust out the projector and. But but you want to see them probably on on your on your computer, not having a DVD attached to the book. That my original thought was putting a DVD in the book. Mm, okay, I like this idea. I like it if too. If these people want to see it, yeah, we'll drop like some links. Too. What yeah, do you so, have? So Venice, basically, I'm going back to Venice. I used to work for Venice for like eight different years of finding them films and stars and stuff like that, and wrote for a newspaper in Italy. 
And this year, I'm really going to go back to let the folks know I'm still out there consulting on films rather than finding them and bringing them back to the Chicago Film Festival. You're no longer searching for your for your crew. You're searching. No, they've got their own team doing that. You know, they don't need me for that. They, they, the next generation is getting that. You know, so it's an interesting way to put it. Well, it, it's so it, it's the way it is. And one, if I were still running a film festival, I would certainly go back to square one and reanalyze what do people want in the future because this streaming thing is going to get in the way of yeah. of it all. To get to get you back into the movie theater, you're going to really need to pull some amazing strings with more directors, more stars, more something to get me to pay my 15 or 20 bucks. What do you think will take... What do you think it's going to take to get people of my age demographic back into the theaters? No kidding. No, that's exactly what I was saying. Because I feel was, like your I was saying. age demographic is a little more prone and used to going to the theaters. Like you kind of, and they mm, tolerate subtitles, which I don't think it, you, you do. I, no, I love subtitles. I know a lot of people who hate them, but I'm kind of deaf in one ear. So okay. if I don't have subtitles, I get kind of annoyed. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it has to be rethought. Yeah. I can, and then in Morelia, that's that's another festival. That's in Mexico. That's in October. There, I'm just on a jury, a feature film, <coughs> feature film jury, judging the films. Because I've got great taste. That's one thing I've got: taste and experience. So. As he says this as we record this on a lacquer black table in his house. It's a ta- it's it's lacquer. Yeah, it is twelve coats. <laughs> and, and <laughs> black I, lacquer. And I've never used the word <laughs> lacquer before, except for in here. But I don't think people do black or anywhere. Not, not, not important. I live in a sparse black and white world. You, your house is very black and white. Black it's kind of cool. I've whole, never the seen... Whole, the whole idea of keeping it black and white is that the people, when they enter it, are the, are the only color. They're the color. They add the life and the color to the place. Hmm. So when you're by yourself, what does it mean? You're the life of the party? Nobody's here. <laughs> Lights out. <laughs> Nobody's here. Sleepy time. No one's home. Okay. Let's... Let's give them a tip. We talked about this. I think every every episode or every week we should give them at least one tip for the industry. What do you... Anything... It could be a tip. It could be a fact. Whatever you want. Well, a, a tip, you know, what's going on right now in Hollywood, it's, it'll affect everybody that's listening to this in that you have the merger of Disney and 20th Century Fox and new people at Warner's and new people at Paramount, new people everywhere trying to control the industry and bring it onto streaming services, um, not in the theater, but at home for you. And you're going to be so torn on what to watch. These next two years will be very confusing for the public. And to get you back to the theater would be a real problem, but you're going to be confronted with, gee, I should join the Disney Channel, I should join the HBO, I should get the new Amazon Plus, I should, you know, Apple this. and That's what you're going to be facing. Tip-wise, I, I can't even recommend what to do you're just going to go through two years of it and then do you have any idea or any thoughts of what will happen afterwards you think people it'll, will all, get, it'll all settle down and people will start buying each other out or maybe, yeah, maybe which they're already doing yeah right but maybe some of those things will not work or maybe they will i can't i can't i can't really say where that's going to because my yeah. confusion is the i don't understand how i hate to be a theater owner today is what i what i'm basically saying Oh, yeah. I yeah. feel like being a theater owner has probably been terrible for the last 20 boy, years. Boy, You have to, well, $8 popcorn 
talk about rape. Yeah, one thing I really don't understand is why people want to eat watching a movie. Crunch, he's, crunch, he's crunch. Di- no, the dining thing, you know. That's a big deal. Oh, I think it's because it's an experience for people. You, For you, film is a way of life, and it's a thing that you eat, breathe, and think about 24-7. So when you're watching a film, you're not thinking about eating. And I don't you're, want someone eating fried yeah, chicken next to you're me. You're analyzing yeah, the yeah. movie. I think it's a little bit different for the public who you work a 9-to-5 job. You don't necessarily, you might or might not necessarily like what you do, but your escape for the weekend or with your husband or your wife is whatever is, we're going to go to the movies. So maybe we can kill two birds in one stone. Have you witnessed this whole thing where people are being served food and alcohol and drinks while while they watch the movie and being interrupted by these people doing this? Yep, and and they walk in front of the screen. Yeah, and the smell of the, no, I'm going to go see a movie. I want to go, I want to, I can I want the whole thing to be, I want to be engulfed, engulfed by the screen. And see a movie and, you, and get into that life. I don't want to be. I don't want to smell spaghetti. <laughs> what I'm if it's serious. on the screen? Would you yeah, fine, Would you be fine, game fine. for that? Have you seen those four? I don't know if they're four D movies. They're the movies where um, they have the chairs that rumble. Sure. The sure. the yeah yeah the air. We have a shoots theater. out. We have one theater here. I did not like that shit at all. We have one over at the uh, Regal. I was the absolute definition of freezing. We have one over, yeah, I think on Western and and Expressway. They've got one of those cinemas where it moves and all. Yeah, it's, I went in Chicago with my dad, and I. Well, it, it shows you how desperate, you know. Although I mean, when I was a kid, there was something they experimented. Michael Todd Jr. experimented with something called smell-o-vision. I've heard about this. One theater was equipped for it here in Chicago. It was called the, the Michael Todd Theater or the Cinestage, which is now the Goodman Theater. And the theater was equipped with Centorama. And it was a movie, and they would shove in the smell of what was on the screen. It was very clever. I mean, it was clever for a while. For the time. For, time. for one movie. Until one scene is them one movie. at a farm, and it smells like shit. And they did that. Uh, and then they instantly had to shoot the theater with this, this to clean the air. So it became very annoying. You have different smells. And, and it's cold like a motherfucker. Yes, very cold. Oh my God. Very the 40 cold. movie I went to, I was freezing. I was like, yeah. this is a Fast and the Furious movie. I'm never doing this shit again. <laughs> but every time the car would pull off, I would just... Yeah. <laughs> I'm cold. Can we leave now? Damn it. And you pay $25 to be yeah. cold for the whole movie. So smell is... The scent of mystery is called... Starring Elizabeth Taylor, actually. Did that... Was that the only movie that they did it for yeah, and it the died? Only, the only movie. They, 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 they had to build a theater for it, sure. Very expensive because you had the air jets placed under each seat. And they had a whole chemistry department that developed the scent. Somebody lost a lot of money on that. Well, it was her husband, Michael Todd. Hey, Elizabeth's husband. you got to try, though. I think that's kind of interesting. They, are, they already realized you got a, a gimmick to get you back. you got to have a gimmick. Like I, also- the IMAX, all this, these are all gimmicks. Something big, 3D. I, I'm a big fan of 3D. I know it's it's waning, but I... I 3D thought, versus IMAX? No, three. I like 3D. 3D got people back in the theaters. Now people are getting tired of it, but Lion King is pretty great in 3D, frankly. I'm not a big fan of 3D movies. I feel like it takes away from my movie-watching experience in terms of the quality of the film. because 3D is done great. It's it's truly exciting. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that, but I feel like for me, I spend more time worrying about the strain that it puts on my eyes Versus enjoying the actual movie. Did you ever see Hugo, the Scorsese film? No, but I read the book. Terrific. The book is really good. Well? It's like the kid who lives on the clock, right? Correct. Yep. 
So it's shot when Scorsese said, okay, I'm gonna do 3D. So he just, he really studied 3D and figured out every scene. And did it well. Beyond well. Okay. No one's ever done 3D like Hugo. Well, it wasn't a success, overly long film, could have used a lot of editing, but it's magical. And even seeing it in 2D, you will see how all the shots are done in 3D, because it's so depthy, it's all shot that way. It's worth your time. I'll check it out. What, uh, what year did that come out? Like five, more than five years ago, correct? No. Because I remember when I was a kid, it came out, but I didn't know it was a Scorsese film. Mm-hmm. Big deal. Scorsese's so well-versed in... Doing such different. He loves movies. He well, loves. He loves the whole deal. It's interesting because usually when you get a a director, they usually stick to their n- niche in terms of what they produce. But Scorsese is literally all over the place. The Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Did he do? He did Taxi too with Robert De Niro. Taxi Driver. Yes. Yeah. Taxi Driver. Oh, Taxi is the one with Queen Latifah and Jimmy Fallon. Well, that I don't know. <laughs> that I don't know. <laughs> That's a funny movie. Anyway, is that your tip? Is that your tip for this podcast? I, I don't even know if that was a tip, but <laughs> watch out, people. The streaming services are coming. I wonder what the downflow of movies are going to be like. For me, it's already hard. Like, for example, once, a time, once upon a time in Hollywood, like you talked about it. That's big. For me, what I think about is, okay, I don't have time to go see it in the movies. I'm going to wait for it to come on whatever. No, no. This, this you got to see big. I know, but in theory... My question would be, where is that movie going to come out on? Is it going to come out on Netflix? Does he have a deal with Netflix? Or is it going to come out on Hulu? No one watches stuff on Hulu. I didn't pay attention to who owns it. Um, Because no one buys DVDs anymore. I'm definitely not buying it on Apple hmm. because I don't want to watch it on my computer or on my phone. Yeah, I did did not pay attention. You can look it up in a second who owns um, the Tarantino film. I didn't pay attention. Is he usually Warner Brothers? But that's not important. It'll come out. Um, it was. Let's check it out. Sony Pictures, Columbia Pictures, Heyday Films, and Polybona Films. Okay, so it's it's Sony. It's Sony. Yeah. Then. Did you hear about? Actually, speaking of Sony, this is kind of some relevant news. Did you hear about Sony canceling or having their issues with Spider-Man? Apparently, they right. Right. They cut it, right? What, what's no, the deal with that? No, they're breaking up with Marvel Pictures. Are they breaking Mar- up with Marvel them? Marvel Studios. One of them owns Spider-Man, one doesn't. And yeah, that's a whole other... A whole so what... Other story. Uh, I don't know if Sony would let that go so easily. That, they're not going to let go of it. So how, Marvel how, has to let go of it. So how does that work? Explain to me, now, now that that deal... Because I'm kind of confused on how... If Marvel created it, how does Sony have rights? Please elaborate on this, because this is probably something people are just as confused about as me. I don't really know the history of, of it, but I could tell you tomorrow. I really don't know the history. <laughs> Marvel must, I assume Spider-Man comes from a, from a comic book. Yeah, it comes from Marvel Universe. Well, how is it that Sony owns it, the character, and Marvel doesn't, that Marvel's losing it? Did they sell him? Marvel? See, there's a whole piece on it which I really didn't pay attention to because I know Spider will continue because that's the only thing that made money for Sony this year. It will, well, con- yeah. it will, it will continue. But Venom, after Venom, which made them a lot of money, they realized that they can reboot the franchise, I'm assuming. Right. So they're doing, it them, doing another Venom now. Okay, so they released a statement. Sony releases an official statement to clarify its relationship with Disney. But that's another Sony has released... 
an official response to the recently reported news that Disney and Sony reached an impasse on its Spider-Man partnership, calling many of the stories mischaracterized and squaring much of the blame on Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige. So you got all the politics in there. Mm-hmm. Let's see, what else does it say about this? As I read that piece, it seemed like Sony will continue. The company said it's disappointed by Disney's decision to no longer have Feige as a lead producer on the Spider-Man films, claiming it's because Feige's increased workload following Disney's acquisition of Fox. Okay, here's the statement in full, people. Much of today's news about Spider-Man has mischaracterized recent discussions about Kevin Feige's involvement in the franchise. We are disappointed, but respect Disney's decision not to have him continue as lead producer for our next live-action Spider-Man film. We hope this might change in the future, but understand that many of the new responsibilities that Disney has given him, including all their newly added Marvel properties, do not allow time for him to work on it specifically. So Sony continues. Yep. Kevin is terrific, and we are grateful for his help and guidance and appreciate the path he has helped put us on, which we will continue. Hmm. So apparently they reached, they failed to reach an agreement on the partnership. That doesn't mean it's stopping. Disney reportedly wanted an even split to the gross, right. not content to stay at the previously agreed on 5%. Mm-hmm. Sources say that Sony, led by Tom Rothman and Tony Vincura, came back with other configurations, but Disney didn't want to do that. If it's a failed negotiation stand, this means Feige will no longer serve as, pro- as producer of the new Spider-Man movies starring Holland, which were already apparently planned. Right. So it is what it is. What's interesting about that article you're reading is those various names have all worked at different studios. Well, this is what it's saying right here. There's also the issue of the other aspects of Disney's and Sony's agreements, which allow Disney Marvel characters to appear in Sony Spider-Man films and vice versa. Mm -hmm. If Disney has truly walked away from the partnership, that could mean the crossover agreement, which was done in exchange for co-producer credits on Sony's films, is also off the table, and both companies would have to go to the drawing board to establish those terms. Which is easy. Ooh, yeah. This just seems like a ploy for more money. You know, it's funny... When I used to visit the studios every year to look for Hollywood films for the Chicago International Film Festival, it amused me that I'd say, oh, gee, I'm going to Paramount today. And I'd go visit my usual contact at Paramount, and she or he are gone. And you're there. And I said, but you're at 20th. Yeah, I was there, and I'm here now. And then I go to the next studio at Columbia or something. You're at Warner's. Yeah, I used to be at Warner's, but now I'm here. The shuffling of people out there. Well, that's always been it, a thing. It, it's just remarkable today. In, in and the, that, that article that you're reading is exactly where things are. The, the shuffling of the very... It's the same people. It's, it's not new. It's kind of crazy because in the show that I'm writing, it's the same concept. There's a lot of... The difference is the people are 30 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're definitely in their prime. It's like the new Playboy magazine, which we'll talk about another time. Yes, now, when play, we have, when our, we have when, you know, we'll talk about Playboy with the right people, but with Playboy today, now that it's been bought again, and everybody's gone, and the entire staff is the top age is thirty five years of age, and that's the way it should be. Brand new eyes. Shout out to the shout out to the coming up Playboy episode with one of the former Playboy models. We won't name her yet, but she shall be here. Yeah, yeah. And you can talk about your relationship with Hugh Hefner and how he... Yeah, yeah. Drugs and rock and roll. I know that. (laughs) All right. Well, I think this is a good conclusion. We shall... I gotta go see a movie. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about it next time. Well, 
Thank you. Thank you, Gino. Good meeting you. <laughs> You're funny. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to subscribe, to like, do what you need to do. Hit us up on the social medias, dog. We want to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs>